Should you be playing to your strengths or honing your weaknesses? Stay tuned to find out. Okay, here's the question. How are we dark horses? You know, the ones everyone is betting against, the ones they don't expect to win, place, or even show on the track, and they'll even laugh on us when we talk about trying. How do we show the world our greatness and triumph? Well, that's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. This is The Dark Horse Entrepreneur. My name is Tracy Brinkman. All right, now, before we kick off today's episode, I want to stop here just to take a minute to explain a shift that's going on here at the Dark Horse Corrals. You see, I started this podcast almost two years ago with this, I don't know, I'll call it a vague direction, but a sincere desire to connect with like-minded entrepreneurs. And, and I think I've been able to do that, right? I mean, I've been lucky enough to interview some amazing people, to hear their stories, to learn from their examples and their expertise, and hopefully share some of those learnings with you along the way. But I really think it's time for a shift. Well, let me be more precise. It's time for a narrowing of focus. You see, so many times you've heard my guests, as well as myself, say, focus on your tribe. Well, my dark horse friends and family, that is something that I am going to dial in on even more narrowly as we move forward on this podcast. Now, while I hope you'll continue to listen to The Dark Horse Entrepreneur and share it with those that you know will get value from it, I know for a few of you, this shift may mean a parting of the ways. I get it. You know, time is valuable. You don't want to be spending time on a podcast that is not serving you. And if that ends up being you, well, then I will bid you a very sad goodbye. But for the rest of you, for the rest of my dark horse friends and family, we're going to venture off into the narrow topic of infopreneurship. Yeah, you, yeah, I said you heard me right infopreneurship. So these episodes will still quite probably bring on guests outside the narrow focus, but only if their lessons learned can be turned into value to you, my fellow infopreneur. What's an infopreneur? Man, I am so glad you asked. But let me back up for a quick sec. The Dark Horse Entrepreneur Podcast will be focused, will be more focused for infopreneurs, coaches, and course creators who want to build their business online, but they're battling technology, overwhelm, procrastination, and maybe even a little imposter syndrome. You, my fellow infopreneur, have a wealth of information rattling around inside your head, rolling around inside your heart, or at your very fingertips. So, let me help you get it out of the recesses of your mind, out of the glowing heart, the glowing ray that is your heart, and out of the dusty corners of your hard drive, into a format and a context that your tribe, as well as you, can benefit from. Now, that is where we're going to be spend our time as we go forward. So, with all that said, all right, all right, my dark horse friends and family, welcome back to your weekly dose of digital marketing learning. I'm your dark horse host, Tracy Brickman, and you, well, that, my friend, 
is infinitely more important. You are a driven entrepreneur. Actually, more specifically, a driven infopreneur, a coach, or even a course creator, or you're hoping to be one of those very, very soon. Either way, you're here because you're ready to start, restart, kickstart, just start leveling up with some great marketing, personal, or business tips and results in order to build that beautiful info business of yours into the info empire it absolutely deserves to be. Man, and do we have an episode for you today. Today, Jeremy Gislason shares a wealth of information about spending money to learn, building your email list, letting others promote for you, building a passive income, turning customers, actually partners into customers and customers into partners, as well as how to stay motivated when it all seems to fall apart. Plus, I want to let you in on next week's interview episode guest who started his online marketing eight years ago with a 25 pound investment and that's money that's not weight <laughs> as per usual the dark horse corrals are chock full of personal business and marketing g-o-l-d spilling from every corner of the dark horse entrepreneur hq so let's get to the starting gates and go alrighty my dark horse friends and family today we're chatting with someone who's made and continues to make, I think, a real impact on the world of online marketing. He's one half of the duo behind Promote Labs, who has developed products such as Product Dynamo, Feedback Fox, the it was the Post Gopher, alongside hundreds, heck, it's probably even thousands of other info products and websites, and much more, I'm sure. Together with his business partner, Simon Hodginson, Jeremy Gillison is also a super affiliate product creator and even licenses various online properties. Jeremy, welcome to the Dark Horse Entrepreneur. Hi, happy to be here. Hi, right, man. I got, I got to ask, right? My first question here is really, given all the stuff you've done, when do you find time to lay your head on the pillow? When do you rest? When do I rest? Well... Yeah, I mean, actually, uh, I mean, I wouldn't say resting, but, I, you know, I try to take a lot of breaks. I work from home, so uh, no commute, no stressful office conditions. It's pretty relaxed atmosphere. So about every hour, I'll just get up from my desk, you know, and go play with the dogs or go outside and sit on the patio or talk to my wife or just run an errand. So I, I don't really feel like I'm working all day. I just do things as needed, whether it's morning, afternoon, nighttime, whatever. I just kind of just do things. So, yeah. Where clearly you do enjoy what it is you're doing. Yes. All right, then. So tell us all about how this all came to be. You know, your background, the good, the bad, the ugly, and how Promote Labs came about. Uh, sure. Uh, I mean, everything has a long story, but I'll try to give the short version. So... Uh, I was living in Japan uh, back in the 90s. Um, that's where I met my wife, and we had three boys over there, and we had our own English school where I taught English as a second language back in the 90s. I was a bit younger back then, had a bit more energy, and it was a lot of fun. I worked with a lot of kids. Um, but after a couple of years, I just kind of knew, hey, I don't want to be doing this when I'm in my 40s because it takes a heck of a lot of energy to be jumping around with the kids. And, you know, singing and dancing and talking and running and playing. So I, I started kind of looking for passive income opportunities. Like, 
And uh, I read the book Rich Dad Poor Dad when it came out and by Robert Kiyosaki. And that kind of made me think, okay, passive income, how do I do it? Where do we start? And this is kind of when the internet was just getting going. And so we actually started looking at real estate, network marketing, uh, just other opportunities that were around. And then the internet, we found the internet, bought our first computer, started going online and checking things out. And I'm like, huh, interesting. So there's people with newsletters, there's people building websites, there's people doing things online and making some money. And I'm like, okay. And I saw Amazon pop up and I'm like, okay. So now you have something, some income coming in 24 seven, even if you're sleeping, that really clicked. So I just kind of started looking around for things to do. Uh, Lost a lot of money in the process, but it was a learning experience. I call it the same as going to college, where you just spend some money and learn. So that's what I did on my own for a few years. Ended up at a, a company called ISO Register. And there is where I kind of met a lot of connections, a lot of whom I uh, still keep in touch with today. Uh, I met like Frank Kern, uh, Mike Vilsame, John Reese, uh, just a lot of people. And back in the early days, uh, Andrew Fox, just a lot of a lot of good guys. And, you know, we just kind of hit it off here and there. Some people I've lost touch with uh, over the years, but others I've kept in touch with. And I kind of learned how things work. And it was just really interesting to me how, how things could be done. I mean, this is like web one, you know, this is before social media. So, you know, it was just really interesting. So I learned how Web One works, put up websites, build mailing lists. And that's that was one key that's always stuck with me is make sure you build your list. No matter what you do, you need to be building your mailing list, your contact list. So I just really enjoyed it. And I thought, okay, I can do this at home. Um, it's low overhead and high ROI. I was like, cool. So I just started doing it. I got into digital marketing. Um, I mean, I remember when like Ryan Dice was just getting started, Russell Brunson was just getting started. We used to talk and stuff and it was just really fun. And we, we started, uh, making products and just seeing what worked, what the market wanted. Uh, I started, uh, my first website on my own was surefirewealth.com. And the problem that I saw was there were a lot of resale rights, private label rights, eBooks software on the market and people were selling stuff and it was just a hodgepodge of of ways to deliver stuff it was like sign up maybe you got the thank you page maybe didn't maybe you'd get the email maybe didn't i just it's just a mess and if you did uh get access it was just like a thousand links on a page it was just a mess so uh i saw a problem i tried to solve it with surefire wealth where i made a membership site kind of was inspired by Amazon. So I was kind of like, okay, if I kind of do what they're doing, but with resale rights and private label rights, maybe it'll be easy for people to find stuff, figure stuff out. I added like reviews, um, people could comment and stuff. Uh, everything was nicely laid out. So at the time, back in like 2004, 2005, um, it was pretty cool. I mean, now it's, it's <laughs> kind of redundant, but back then it was pretty cool. And some of the people that I had gotten to know over the years, 
Um, I asked them, hey, would you be interested in promoting this? And they're like, yeah, sure. So I have people like Joel Calm and Mike Filsame and a lot of other people would go promote it. And that really was a light bulb moment. I was like, holy cow, these guys just sent thousands of people to my website. I'm now paying these people thousands of dollars in commissions. I'm like, maybe I could do that. Maybe I could also be an affiliate marketer on the side too. So that, that was kind of another light bulb moment. So I went from learning web one, solving some problems, making connections, um, and then building passive income, but then seeing how affiliate marketing worked at the same time. So everything just kind of rolled into each other. Um, so then during that process, I met Simon, uh, who's currently my business partner, Simon Hodgkinson. And we started off by being each other's customers, which is kind of funny. I would buy like everything he put out because he put out some, he's a really good uh, graphics designer and a writer. So I would just buy everything he had and I would, I would buy like the extended licenses and put them in Surefire Wealth. And then he would like buy stuff from me, I'd buy stuff from him. And we just got to talk and we're like, why don't we do something together? Well, yeah, sure. So we put something together. I think it was like six to eight weeks. And it was called the Marketing Main Event. And this is back in like 2006 or something. And uh, we got some of our friends to promote it. Did pretty well. Uh, it did like a couple hundred thousand or something in, in a week. And to us, that was another light bulb moment. Um, I'm still running the English school. And I'm just going, hmm, maybe... Maybe there's something here. So, so uh, I was like, okay, I think maybe I could start to transition to online 100%. You know, so over the next couple of years, me and Simon partnered up, released version two, version three, which became uh, member speed software. That was kind of the predecessor to product Dino. And it was basically a software SaaS that let people build membership sites back in the mid 2000s uh, when it was a pretty new concept and it was very hard to do and it did pretty well. And the, the real eye opening was when we did 1.7 million in a week. Dude, that's magic right there. 1.7. Wow. And I didn't even, my wife had no clue what, what I was even doing. And she just saw me like writing stuff on whiteboards and doing stuff during my breaks and at night. And she's like, you know, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, just, you know, working on some stuff. And, <laughs> and uh, it, so me and Simon were, were quite shocked, but happy. But then we were like, okay, it's time to get serious. So that's when we formed a company together. Um, at the time, it was called Member Speed Inc., which we later changed a few years later to Promote Labs Inc. So same company, but that's kind of how it got started. And since then, we've just been going. We've been creating more software as a service solutions. Some are bigger, like Product Dino, which helps people um, deliver their products securely online. Uh, it helps course creators with certifications for their students, uh, all kinds of cool stuff. And then uh, we have little simple apps, such as uh, Feedback Fox or PostGopher, uh, which are very simple. They do one thing, uh, but they help people to either build their list, uh, sell content, take surveys, uh, build a landing page. Um, we have another one called FlipGuardian, which is aimed at uh, publishers and authors, which helps them to sell a book. Say if Stephen King has a new book, he wants to show it to his audience, give a preview, 
You could use something like FlipGuardian very easily. People could flip through it, and they could buy it right there. Um, so we're just we just keep building stuff and seeing what works. And a lot of stuff. I mean, for every one product we have out, there's probably ten that we've scrapped or sold off. One in ten, really? And there's probably fifty. That me and Simon are like, no. During brainstorming sessions, we'd be just be like, no, not not doing this one. <laughs> so, yeah, over the years, uh, just a lot of things, and then as well as courses, because uh, we made a lot of courses based on uh, things that we've done or things that we we see, and now we have a team of of researchers who do the research for us. We tell them what we want research. They'll go research the topic, write about it. We'll add our touch. That'll be a new course. So we have a whole line of coaching programs as well now. So yeah, that, that's kind of the journey. Um, went full time back in uh, the mid to late 2000s. And we phased the English school out. Uh, Simon's a brilliant copywriter. So uh, he, he kind of did the same thing. He transitioned full time online as well. Uh, about the same time I was. So yeah, it's just been fun ever since. Dude, that is awesome. I mean, it's a, an amazing story. And really, I think really cool is how you two came together. Uh, you came along separately and then coming together, you've probably created something way bigger than either of you envisioned when you both first set out on your own. Fair? Yeah, we had no intention of actually forming a company or doing anything like that when we started we're like we didn't sit down and go hey let's form a company and make a billion dollars we're just like okay maybe we could create something together have fun doing it and help a lot of people on the way and that's kind of what we did and it was fun that's the main thing um me and simon really get along um and he's very creative he has a lot of ideas and then I'm kind of more on the execution side, so we fit. We work well together. I think fitting together is probably one of the most important things. What was Simon doing prior to joining you on Promotion Labs? Well, believe it or not, uh, he was selling gearboxes um, back in the 90s. Uh, he was like a sales rep for a gearbox company um, all around the UK, one of the top uh, gearbox companies. They would sell to, like, uh, I don't know, fire trucks and, like, big rigs and stuff like that, so... Yeah, so he had to he had to do a lot of sales work back then, and then he started building websites. I think back in the early two thousands for people, and uh, yeah, so he was kind of doing the same thing I was doing, trying to figure stuff out. You're now listening to-, to the Dark Horse Entrepreneur Podcast. And you know what? And therein lies something we haven't really even touched on yet is the fact that you guys are almost on opposite sides of the world. I mean, aren't you based in the USA and he's out there in the UK, right? That's right. And the funny thing is I was, as I mentioned, I was in Japan, moved, uh, moved to the US with my family, uh, late two thousands, but me and Simon worked together for about two or three years without ever actually meeting in person. And we made like two, three million together without actually ever meeting. It's crazy what technology. And this is before, yeah, this, yeah, this is before the work at home stuff and the Zoom stuff and you know all the post COVID stuff where everybody's at home. Nobody was doing that, and we just trusted each other. We'd just hop on Skype and talk, and and uh, I mean we didn't even have uh, video calls back then. It was just you know audio. We just trusted each other and just kind of went with our intuitions and it worked out. 
I was going to ask, is it, is it difficult being in different places? But what, what sounds, what you're saying, doesn't sound like it really is. You know, I think me and Simon have talked about this. And we're like, you know, if we were together in the same office, we probably wouldn't get as much work done because we'd just be busy goofing off or going out for beers after work. So, <laughs> so we actually get, we find we're a lot more productive um, just working on our own. But then holding each other accountable each week when we have our meetings, we we try to have a meeting once a week, uh, every Monday, and uh, he talks about what he's working on, I talk about what I'm working on, we talk about our goals, what we need to uh, accomplish, and, and different things. So, yeah, it works out. All right, all right. So, now I've got to ask, where do your ideas come from, Jeremy? Because... As you say, you do so much. You, you have courses, you have software as a service, you've got the main company that you have to run as well. So where do all ideas come from? And I guess let me go ahead and pepper you with, an, pepper you with another question here. Is it difficult to manage so many things? And, and one more, okay? I'm going to just keep firing at you. How many people do you have working at Promote Labs inside that ecosystem you two have built? Sure. Well, believe it or not, we have a really small team. We have... Um, there's basically, we had three full-time support staff, uh, now it's two and they handle things just fine. Uh, we have, uh, two writing teams and then we have, uh, a developer team, uh, with our business partner Fraz on product dyno. And then we have, uh, another coder that we partnered with Simon Phillips in the UK who codes a lot of our, uh, other software such as Flip Guardian and, and Page Dino and Commission Gorilla. Um, so uh, we have a project manager in the U.S. We have uh, an accountant in the U.S. Um, so everybody's remote. They're all spread out, and we we just use Slack. So it's like less than a dozen people, um, but then some of those people have teams of their own. For example, our coding teams. They manage like their own teams, and then we just talk with with the head of the company. So we, we do some of that as well. But uh, we like to keep things small, and I've always liked that. Uh, I think it was Jeff Bezos said. Uh, I think it was the pizza team or something like that. I don't know if you've ever heard that, but it's like don't have more than uh, don't have too many people on a project if they can't eat. Or how did that go? It's something like if you have two large pizzas and there's too many people on the team that they go hungry, then it's too big of a team, something like that. It's like just enough people to eat two large pizzas is perfect for a team size. So that, that's kind of how we look at it. We keep things small. Otherwise it gets hard to manage. And we've, we've been using Slack for, I don't know how many years now, four five, six years or something, whenever it came out. And it's like our virtual office. So every day we go in there and we talk and everybody updates things and it's, it just works really well. Um, we have not used email internally for about five years. So all we do is use Slack uh, and then sometimes we use Skype um, and that's about it uh, for our team. And sorry, what was your first question? Yeah, I get it. I peppered you a lot there. Uh, the first one was just about the process that you go through. Oh, yeah, the creative, creativity. Well, I think a lot of that uh, to Simon. Simon is super creative. Um, his mind is always wandering, and he's always just 
pulling stuff out of the air. He's like, like, we'll get on a meeting. And I just talked to him the week before and he'd be like, Hey, let me run this idea by you and tell me if it's really dumb or if it's awesome. And, and, uh, <laughs> like every week he's got ideas and you know, some, a lot of them just don't make it past the idea phase, but, but the ones that do, uh, sometimes they eventually turn into product and, you know, we just try stuff. We don't try to overanalyze too much and then analyst perilous where you just don't ever release something. So we just kind of go with our gut. We will go through a lot of ideas and then we'll see where the market's at. And I try to look where we're headed. A lot of people look at the past, but I try to always look at the future. Like, okay, this worked five years ago, but is it going to work next year? So where are things headed? And then we could, we try to create things around that. Or if we see a, a hole or a need that needs to be filled or something like that. So we're, we're always trying to solve problems. And in the beginning, we were trying to solve our own problems. So um, that was a big one. For example, when we created Member Speed, um, we just wanted that for ourselves. So we wanted a membership software that we could use to build our own membership sites because we had dozens of them back then. So rather than license something that would cost ten, twenty thousand a year, we built our own. Um, same with page builders, same with other things. Uh, we built a countdown timer software about six years ago before uh, page builders had integrated those into their platforms um, because we wanted one and nobody had one. And so we just made one. So a lot of times we'll just we'll have a problem ourselves and then we'll see, hey, could we make this or do we need to buy this? And if it's something like Slack, of course we need we need to buy it. But if it's something a little simpler that could be done, we'll make it. Um, that's just kind of how we roll. Well, yeah, that's a definitely a good philosophy to have. Okay, so I'm just going to ask this one just straight up. Yeah, I'm just going to pull no punches here. Either one come up with, I know, choked up ideas. I want to use the word dumb, but dumb ideas. Um, obviously, you've come up with good ones, but how many not so good ones or dumb ones? What's the dumb to good ratio? Hmm? <laughs> well, I guess I shouldn't say dumb because no idea is dumb, I guess. I guess that was the wrong word to use. Uh, um, I should have said... Uh, Maybe crazy <laughs> instead. Crazy ideas. Um, mm, well, I mean, there have been a few ideas that have come out where it sounded great, but then after we worked out, we would need like $100 million to make it happen. So we're like, okay, we'll pass on that one. Just, just I don't know, there have been so many. Um, I've lost track. <laughs> all right, all right. So... It seems like you guys are having some great success during all this time working together. Has there ever been, um, I don't know, an issue that came up where you put, oh my gosh, you know, all this time, all this effort, all this energy, perhaps even some, a whole lot of money into an idea only to go, well, that's not never going to work. All the time. Really? Yeah. 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 We, we uh, I think it was just last year, we spent probably six months on a, a, a new software project. And by the time we, it was like half done, we're like, this is just never going to work. So we just scrapped it. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of that stuff. Um, uh, the thing is, to try, we try to find a who 
once we have the idea and the vision and the framework, we always try to find the who to get it done because there's no way we could be doing it all ourselves. So I think that's pretty important is to always don't think, how do I do this? Think, who can I get to do this? So if, it, if we need a writer, if we need somebody to make videos, if we need somebody to make a sales page, a graphic, a software, uh, whatever it is, um, we try to find a who and get that person to, to do that. So, so on our team, we, we have people who have specific tasks, like one person manages the blog, uh, the writing, another one manages the blog security, another, you know, other people take care of the help desk. And then when we have ideas, we're like, okay, here's our idea. We need you to do X, Y, Z. We need you to do ABC, you know, that kind of thing. And we'll kind of get everybody involved doing something to help the project come together. So that's, that's kind of what we, we try to do. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. That's true. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Okay, well, when that happens, how do you keep each other motivated? Because I guess there has to be an element of that, right? Everyone at times, you just, oh man, you just, oh, I feel so deflated. And especially if you work on a project and then you have to scrap it six months down the road or at least put it on the shelf. How do you keep yourselves motivated as a result? Um, well, for one, we try not to get overly attached to our projects um, because if you do, then you're never going to let go. You'll never be able to exit the project. Um, and exiting means either to sell it or to close it, hopefully to sell it and keep it growing. Um, so that's one thing. Uh, another thing is, you know, through our weekly meetings, we, you know, we just, we just talk about stuff and keep each other motivated. Um, but I don't know. I've just kind of always been motivated my whole life. Like I, I listen to a lot of like Tony Robbins type of stuff. Um, I, every day I probably spend one to two hours a day learning stuff in either our industry or other industries. And that's usually via podcast that I listen to newsletters I subscribe to, industry news sites that I read, um, things like that. So that kind of gets me excited and keeps me going because there's always something new. I'm like, oh, wow, this is cool. And I'll talk to Simon about the next week. Hey, did you see this? You know, And hey, maybe we could do something like that. And hey, maybe we could fit this in somewhere. And oh, wow, this is, you know. So it's always kind of like that. Um, but then also, you know, we have families to take care of as well. And that's probably been the biggest motivator for both of us. Um, Simon has a son and I have three and I was like, okay, I want to make sure they have a good life. Um, so that kind of inspired me every day to, to get up and get to work. 100%. And make my wife happy and all that stuff. So <laughs> actually that was going to be my next question. Has your family, have you found your family and friends supportive of you along your journey? Oh yeah, a hundred percent, hundred percent. I'm so grateful to my wife um, for fully supporting me, um, especially in the early years when I was losing money rather than making money. <laughs> she just, she just kept encouraging me. She's like, "Okay, well now you know what didn't work." So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, she's been great. Yeah. Here's one for you. Uh, how many companies, infopreneurs, entrepreneurs, businesses, do you think your products have touched over the years? Any idea? 
Oh, wow. Uh, I know. Big question, right? That's probably a tough one to define. Yeah. I mean, just oh, as far as customer lists, I mean, I think we figured out a year or two ago that we had sold over 130,000 products of our own. Holy cow. Like just the number um, over the last 15 years or 20 years. Um, so I guess all of those people who bought something, some bought multiple products, but I don't know, let's say a hundred thousand customers. And then if they're using our software, their customers would see. So for example, if, if one of our product dyno customers now has 50,000 members in his membership site, they're seeing our product and they're using it every day. Um, if somebody buys a license to one of our courses and, and sells it to 10,000 people. So that, that's really hard to track. So I don't know. I, I, would, I, I would like to say I hope we've touched a million people over the last 20 years. Um, maybe that's being optimistic. Uh, I don't know. But uh, yeah, everybody that we can help uh, inspire or, or get ideas, uh, you know, I'm grateful for. A million over 20 years, I think you're probably being modest. But it does remind me of the, of the old phrase, small hinges sweep big doors, right? So maybe you're one of those small hinges moving some of the big doors out there. You know, are, are there any tips from your, uh, your journey, Jeremy, that you want to share with those out there listening uh, to help them improve their, their business or perhaps just motivate them to get started? Mm, right. Well, yeah, everybody's motivated by different things. I think you don't want to be just motivated by money alone because you'll get burned out. Um, you need to have some kind of desire or something inside. Like For me, well, it was always family, but also freedom. So freedom was a big motivator for me. I did not want to be commuting. I did not want to be... Have going to an office, having somebody tell me, you know, when I can take a bathroom break, when I can eat lunch, and, you know, I might as well go to prison. So that so that was a big motivator for me um, is is freedom, and then have providing a good life for my family, um, and basically not selling myself by the hour, um, so to say, because there's, there's only so many hours in a day. So anybody who's trading time for money um, is going to have a threshold that they're going to hit. And even if it's a million dollars, it's still a threshold. So if you can leverage your time, if you can figure out how to leverage your knowledge or leverage what you do or what you know as a creator, um, then, then that's the key there. So... You need a motivation, whatever motivates you, and then try to figure out how to leverage your time. Um, you know, too many people are thinking, well, I don't have time. You know, I hear it a lot. You know, yeah, I'd like to start a business, but I just don't have time. Uh, yeah, I've been thinking about making this course. I just don't have time. And it's, it's a constant excuse. You got to make the time. You got to find it. Um, I mean, I was running two businesses at the same time, plus you know, taking my kids out and stuff, dropping them off at school every day and playing with them in the parks. So you got to figure out how to leverage. And the best way to do that is to start building a team. And that's another thing that people say, well, I can't afford a team. Well, 
partner with somebody or, you know, if you don't have enough money to pay them, maybe put them on profit share. Um, I remember when I was starting, a guy I knew, he had like 10 or 12 people on his team. Nobody got a salary. They just all split the profits of whatever happened. So that's one idea. Um, So anything you can do to be motivated, use leverage, and then don't think how, think who. Who do I get to do this for me? And then what do I do? So look at what you're good at, what you can do well. You should be doing that task. And then whatever you can do to grow the company, you should be doing. But anything else that either you don't enjoy or you're not good at, uh, outsource it or hire somebody or partner with somebody. Sound, sound. That's money advice right there. I'm a big fan of playing to your strengths. I always find uh, usually when folks are leveraging their strengths, you're going to get a lot further, a lot faster. I mean, really, where's the benefit of trying things you just don't enjoy doing? There are those times, right? We all have to wear our hats, our multiple hats, especially in the early days. But if you do things you just don't enjoy right? It's probably a, a dead end in, in more ways than one because and at the end of the day, you're just going to talk yourself out of doing something simply because you don't enjoy doing it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Dude, Jeremy, thanks so much. I want to be mindful of your time. I'd like to sit here and pick your brain all, di- all day and you've been very generous with your time and your knowledge in telling us uh, some of the background about yourself and Promote Labs and the products you have. For anyone that's interested to learn more about Jerry Gillinson, about Promote Labs and finding out more about you and even Simon, perhaps even working together, where do we want to send them to? Sure. Well, I'd say the best place would be PromoteLabs.com. And one thing that I didn't mention, so I mentioned a lot about how I got started in Web 1, and then we evolved during the Web 2 uh, revolution. And now, as some people might have heard, we're hitting Web 3. And this is something me and Simon are very excited about, is Web 3. And we first heard about a lot of these things several years ago. Uh, We were kind of early to Bitcoin back in 2014-15. Um, some things didn't work out, that, but we tried. Um, but now with the metaverse and NFTs and a lot of things, it's very exciting. So we're also working on some new NFT projects that we're launching this summer. And the best way to hear about those would be to make sure you're either on our mailing list or uh, a customer with our blockchain bundle would probably be the best way to go. So if you just head over to promotelabs.com, you can find information there about all of our courses, all of our products. You can join our mailing list. That's probably the best way to stay up to date about what we're doing on things. Um, and if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at uh, Jeremy A. Gislison, Twitter. I don't use Twitter that much, but but once in a while I'll post something. I would say the best way would be to get on our mailing list uh, to be to get our updates. All right, we'll make sure we get those links down in the show notes. Again, Jeremy, thank you so much for your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure rocking with you here. And I want to send your uh, my best to you and to Simon for your future as well. Yeah, thank you very much. All right, there you have it, my Dark Horse friends and family. Jeremy coming in and dropping Promote Labs bombs on us. What resonated with you? Well, let me share with you a couple ideas that kind of clicked with me. One... Which route is for you? 
As you heard Jeremy share his origin story, he decided that he wanted to do something different. So he got out there and he learned. <laughs> How often have you heard me tell you to do that? And he likened it to going to college. He spent some money and he learned. He learned and he spent some money. Then he watched what others were doing. Behind that, he started making connections. And with those connections, he learned how things worked, right? How many times have you been out there in the marketplace? Uh, and you are just, hey, even in corporate America, what do they tell you to do? Tell you to learn. They tell you to network, make those connections. They're really powerful. And I think one of the key learnings he emphasized here was to build your list. Those are connections, aren't they? Yeah. Thought number two, what does the market want? Jeremy in his early days just started making products and putting them out there. Now, here's the thing here for me. If you have what you think is an amazing idea, I mean, you, you've seen this hole in the market, you figured out a product or a software or a service that you know will fill that hole, then you, my friend, you need to get it out to the marketplace and find out if they will buy it. And here's, here's the real lesson I want you to walk away. If you, if you didn't hear anything else in this entire podcast, hear this. An okay, and hold on, my tongue is tripping over my eye teeth and I can't see what I'm saying. An okay idea in the market. Heck, even a bad idea in the market will far outperform the greatest, most monumental idea that never leaves your damn head never gets out of your heart, or worse yet, never gets off your hard drive. Thought number three, let others promote for you. After Jeremy committed one of his original projects, Surefire Wealth, which was a membership site that was inspired by what he saw Amazon was doing right after they first launched, he asked some of his connections, remember the importance of making connections, he asked some of those connections to promote it, which they did. And this was a light bulb moment for Jeremy. It should be a light bulb moment for you as well. You can enlist your connections as well to create this army of affiliates to promote that great idea that you have and reach deeper into the marketplace than you could all by yourself at your current level using your current resources. Now, mind you, you will have to make it worth their while but if you build a great product, say with an upsell, or even better yet, some ongoing passive income in it, then isn't worth sharing the wealth, right? With those that help you turn that digital dream into a reality? I mean, think about it. Giving them, I don't know, 25, even 50% is worth it. Because if you did it all by yourself, you might get nothing. And 50% of zero is, yeah, zero. And thought number four really builds right on top of that. Become an affiliate yourself. Now that you've chosen your route for learning, you've built your list, and you've gotten your idea out there, shouldn't you become an affiliate yourself? Now, here's the deal. You can make this part of that learning process. Go all the way back to step one. A great way to get your finger on the pulse of the market is to get out there and comb through what's currently available. 
and start marketing all the good ideas, the good products, the good softwares, the good solutions to those within your sphere of influence. If you can do that, and I guarantee you, you can, some of them will buy and some of them will come back and say thank you. And on top of that, thank you, you will also begin to hear of their needs, their oh, if onlys, their only ifs, and therein will lie some golden learning about what the market feels it needs, and you'll start coming full circle. You know what? I haven't even mentioned joining forces with others in the marketplace like Jeremy did. All right, what inspiring ideas, tips, or thoughts resonated with you? Hmm? Whatever they were, take some time like right now and write them down. Then put them into action. Seriously, get out there, run your race, get your results, and then come let me hear about them. I'm deadly serious about this. Email me at tracy at darkhorseschooling.com. Share the tips or ideas that you came away with, how you put them in action, and what results you gained from them. Heck, maybe we'll bring you on here and let you share your origin story and success story. All right, now next week's interview episode guest is Wayne Crow. Now, Wayne is a UK-based online marketing expert that started his business, oh, you know, 18 years ago from his bedroom with a 25-pound investment. <laughs> and it has carried him through to making more than 150,000 pounds a month. Yeah, yeah, microphone check. A month, ladies and gentlemen. He's also the mastermind behind courses such as Traffic Domination, 30-Day Email Journey Hacks, and so much more. You're not going to want to miss this one. Now, I know you want to keep getting all these valuable tips as well as the amazing stories from the guests I'm lucky enough to bring on this show. So please go on down there. Hit that subscribe button. While you're there, yeah, go ahead. Drop us a five-star rating. Leave us some kind words in the reviews. And lastly, do not keep all this entrepreneurial and infopreneurial G-O-L-D all to yourself. Share this podcast with the infopreneurs and business owners that you know will get value from it. And with that, I'm going to leave you as I always do. Think successfully and take action. Thank you for listening to the Dark Horse Entrepreneur Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Check us out at www.darkhorseschooling.com. All right. My name is Tracy Brinkman.